so much fun. This is Work in the Beat. It is Friday, January 9th, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney, along with Mike Kern. It's Thursday, Thursday, January 8th. It's okay. January 9th. January 9th. I'm getting old. If you want to take a day off my life, go ahead. It's okay. It's Thursday, January 9th, 2020. It's January. It's been, yeah, it's been a long day at school. I'm Kevin Cooney, along with Mike Kern. Glad you could join us on this show. We'll talk eventually about the Eagles the sign the fire to our offensive coordinator and wide receiver coach uh, Mike Grow is out as part of the shakeup in a confusing set of circumstances, and we'll get to our NFL picks later on. But we have a special guest right off the top, so we're not going to waste any time because that he is at. He had a busier day than you. Yes, he has been. He's probably been up since about seven o'clock doing stuff. He's at Wells Fargo Center again, ready for the Sixers and the Celtics this evening, uh, where Joel and B will not be playing. From the Inquirer, the man who travels maybe the most of anybody. In Philadelphia, it's Keith Pompey. Keith, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, fellas. What's up? Thanks for having me on the show. How's those air miles piling up for you? But and and Marriott points, man. You must be like living the good life. Well, Marriott, like I'm on the highest level. They're like, hey, Pompey, how are you doing? I said, hey, can can I get you guys to come home with me and say that in front of my wife? <laughs> Have you figured out how many miles you travel in a year? Nah, I haven't. I haven't. Nah. But I, I will tell you, it was funny. Like a couple of days ago, I was talking about it where you know, there's times where I would wake up and I for, I would forget where I was. You know, like one time I was in Dallas and I thought I was in New Orleans until I walked outside. I was like, what the heck? This doesn't look like Bourbon Street. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Because you guys in the NBA, everybody talks about baseball travel and baseball travel. Can three be, day, you're there three days. Yeah. You're there three days. And I think the NBA, because of the places like Portland and Sacramento and all that, it's tougher yeah. to get to in the NBA than it is anywhere in Major League Baseball. So, And you're traveling in the winter. That, too. That's another yeah, factor. that's crazy. That's the hard part. And you yeah, don't, but it is what it is. And, and you don't have the six weeks in clear water like uh, baseball writers do. So, Yeah, uh, I'm jealous of that. I had no <laughs> – everybody says that until they get down there for two more. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> Keith, um, all right. So right now, this team, do you have any idea what they are at this point? I mean, it, it feels like you know, we're almost at the midway point. You know, they're, 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 they've kind of been awful to watch at times. They've been, you know, they play at home like gangbusters a lot. Then you go on the road and they look awful. What are they right now as we get, you know, middle of the January area? They're an underachieving team, if, if, you, if you have to be honest. You know, I mean, they're a team that um, and the reason why they're underachieving because, you know, they know that they have a good nucleus. Right. And right now that they're, they're kind of like kids driving on a road trip to like Disney and two hours in they're saying, mommy, daddy, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> and it just seems like their sights are set on making the playoffs to whereas when they play a regular season game, if the team isn't exactly, you know, an upper echelon team, they're going to play down to their opponent, you know, and, and, and that's who they are. And, and with that being said, I also have to say that they're, they're, they're two different squads. Like when Joel Embiid plays, you know, it's the Joel Embiid show. When he doesn't play, they get out and run and they have a good time and they, they're, they're extremely well-balanced. 
But so they're just like two different teams. But I will say that they're an underachieving team that's waiting for the playoffs a little bit too much. Keith, here's the only thing I really care about is in the three or four months we have before the playoffs, and there, and there might be moves. I'm sure there's probably going to be some move, whether it's a move we want, I don't know. But can this team evolve by that point to be the team that we thought they could be entering the playoffs? That doesn't mean they're going to win the championship or maybe even get to the finals, but can they be the team that at least gets to Milwaukee? You know, it depends on not, not the way this team is constructed right now. I don't think so. You know, I, I, it's no secret that the team is looking for a shooter. They need to add a shooter, someone off the bench. And I think that depending on who they get, it, that could help them. I mean, think about two years ago. The Sixers were like basically hovering around 500 right before like the trade deadline. And right after the trade deadline, they basically made two, well, they acquired two guys in the buyout market. I think they won something like 27 of their last like 32 games. It was something crazy like that, a crazy percentage. So I think that if they go out there and they get the right person, yeah, they could possibly make a run. But the way this roster is constructed at this particular time, no, nah, they're not going to get through Milwaukee, in my opinion, in the seven-game series. So, Keith, that begs the question – was the roster constructed wrongly? Wrongly. Is that no, even a word? I'm sorry. Is, it, is it a poorly constructed poorly, roster? That's bad. That's why Kevin's here. I don't know if it's a poorly constructed roster. I think that when you have – here's the thing. When you have a guy, a point guard like Ben Simmons, a guy who's not known as a shooter, you need to pair him with a guy who can shoot the ball. And I'm not just talking about – a basketball player who can make threes. I'm talking about a three-point specialist. They don't have that. They need spacing. And and when you look at it, you know, on paper, you have Al Horford, you have um, Joel Embiid, you have Tobias Harris, but Al Horford is, is a center. So you have two centers. So, you know, yes, you won the, what did they say? You, you, you won the uh, press conference initially when right. you got Al. But now you don't have anybody who can knock down shots, no three-point shooters. Now, again, you have some guys who can make threes, but you don't have like a J.J. Redick type of guy. And that's the type of guy you need. So when you say that, yeah, I'm not going to say it's like really poorly constructed, but they just don't have that type of person that they need. Does Eldon Brand have the arsenal he needs if he needs to go make a trade at the deadline? Between cap space, picks, obviously, I mean, they're going to be picking if they play as well as they think they could play lower in the first round. Um, do they have the resources needed to go get that shooter? You know, that's, that's a tough one because when you look at it, you know, they do have some resources. Right now, if you look at the Sixers, in my opinion, the two guys that they have who bring trade value um, – the, be, the most trade value, one is Zaire Smith, who's not playing. And the reason why he brings trade value, because you will have a team that will say, you know what, we, well, let's take a stab at him. He's not really making that much money. He's still on his rookie deal. We can get him and we can try, like, see what he can, what he does. Kind of sort of like what they did with Markel folks. Mm -hmm. The second person is Matisse Thibel. A young guy who they, you know, who the Sixers basically acquired in a draft day trade. You know, he's arguably their best 
defensive player. He's arguably their best reserve. But if I'm the 76ers, I don't know if I want to get rid of Matisse. But then when you look at the bench players, you know, they, you have a guy like Mike Scott who's making $5 million, and then you have a bunch of other dudes who are making, like, veteran minimums. You know, I don't see trade value with those guys at all. So, you know, and, and then when you talk about a draft pick, you know, the Sixers are going to – even though I'm saying they're underachieving, they're going to finish in the in like 20s. The upper echelon. Yeah, in the 20s. So that's not a, a great draft pick for someone as well. So, you know, right now, I would have to say no. I mean, you, you're going to have to get rid of um, Zaire Smith, but a team is going to have to want, to want to go after him. You're not going to get rid of Matisse because you don't want Matisse a couple years from now to develop and being a solid player, which I think he will be. And if you don't win it and only how you can justify that is if you win a championship this year or next. And I don't see the Sixers winning the championship next year. So, you know, I, I, I just don't I don't think they have the pieces to go out there and get a, a top notch guy to, you know, to bring in here to help them out. Which leads to the next question. That means that your roster is going to have to unless you go get like you mentioned, you know, you know, you kind of get everybody else's buyouts and. You know, get guys mm-hmm. to come in on the minimum and all that. But there's very few answers then for correcting what's here. If they continue to kind of slog along, which is, you know, six seed, I guess, right now at this point, or five seed. I mean, at, at, you know, what answers do they have to turn this around except focusing internally? And that would kind of look at the head coach, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, that has to look at the head coach. Now, at this particular time, I don't think they can get rid of the head coach right now. Like, I think that would have to be something, you know, after the season, if he doesn't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals or make it to the finals, I think that he's gone. But when you look at this coaching staff, there's only one other coach on the whole entire staff who who was a head coach in the NBA. That was Jim Mm O'Brien. He's not even on the bench. Now, Jim O'Brien could possibly take over, but, you know, when you think of the other guys, I don't think that they can do it at this particular time. I mean, who knows if they can do it or not, but they just don't have. They're not ready for it now. They don't have the cachet. Yeah, they don't have the cachet. So I think that, you know, Brett Brown, that has to be a decision that they'll make after the season. Um, in regards to, uh, you know, in, in, in regards to, um, you know, the, the other things, it, it's just that I, I just think that the Sixers, um, it, when you look at the roster, everything is now, again, what, they, what they're saying is in the playoffs come, it's going to, they, they're going to streak their road, excuse me, they're going to shrink their rotation. And when you look at it, you have a guy like Al Horford, who's the backup center. You have a guy like Josh Richardson, who's the backup point guard, Tobias Harris, the backup backup power forward. So they're hopeful that if they can get a shooter and then you have these guys, you can shrink your rotation and they think that their players are better than the other guys. So but that's to be determined. But so, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, if something happens, if something goes wrong, if they don't make it, you have to know that Brett Brown is going to be the escape goat. So, Keith, it brings us to tonight, and they're playing the Celts at home. They've beaten the Celts twice, I believe. The Celts are coming off a, a bad home loss last night. Kemba gets thrown out. But what is the the Embiid's situation? I mean, the, the finger looked grotesque. 
Um, but I guess that happens, you know, injuries. But what is this going to be a problem? Is this just going to be something where he misses a game or two? Or, you know, what, how do you see this? You know, it's, it's weird. We're still waiting on word, um, but how long it's going to be. I mean, I have to assume that he'll probably, if he's going to miss time, I have to assume it's going to be longer than a game or two. Um, but the fact that they have Al Horford, um, mm-hmm. now again, ideally you would love to have Joel Embiid out there, but the fact that you have Al Horford and, you know, they can play a more up-tempo style in the regular season, I think that, you know, they, they'll be fine for the time being. The, the problem is I don't see them going far in the playoffs mm-hmm. with Embiid sitting out. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things. If his hand is bothering him, it it kind of benefits them to take care of it now, because once the playoffs start, you know, if his hand is hampering them, I can't see them, you know, coming out of the East. Keith, this is a weird question. I admit it, but you know, I know that they've gotten to the second round the last couple of years, but with Simmons and Embiid, and you talked about the style of play, how they are one way when Embiid's on the floor. And you take them off, and it's a much different style. You know, and, and Simmons looks a lot more comfortable, to be honest, at times that way. You know, just running the floor and everything. Can they ever, I mean, is it fair to start wondering if they could coexist long term? Yeah, I mean, it's fair. But, you know, at the same time, it's, it's, it's weird, though. I think that, you know, a lot of people say that, but people weren't really saying that last year. Right. <laughs> You know, and it seems and like it's been that, more. It seems like it's more of a this year question, maybe because of just the way this team is structured. Exactly. I mean, you need a shooter. See, the thing is, with with I think you need a shooter with both of them. You need someone that's going to stretch the floor. And the reason why they're saying that they can't play together is because Ben Simmons isn't your traditional point guard. You know, both of them like being on the block. They both score a lot of points in the paint this and that and then you have joel because of that because ben is down there joel gets away with you know chucking 11 threes <laughs> during games you know stuff like that but i think that if you have a team where you have uh, a sharpshooter like a jj reddick you know it may erase some of those deficiencies you know now again you know ben simmons he has to improve i mean he has to I mean, because he's shown that he can make the shot. He just doesn't like taking the shot. Right. So he has to get out of his comfort zone. Um, but so I, I think that, you know, a lot of people say that. When I look at it right now, are these two guys uh, mature enough to lead the 76ers to the championship as as the as the leaders? Are they? And I would have to say no, no, they're not. I mean, they're not. They need someone else to help them because their game, like Ben Simmons has to display an outside jumper. Joel has to be in better shape. You know, he has to be dominant at all times. So, you know, when people say that these two guys can't play together, what I'm saying is these two guys aren't in their maturation process to do it right now. So, Keith, answer me this. The coach comes out and says – a couple times now, we need him to shoot the ball. And I, and I don't even mean the three. He might be talking about the three. I'm just talking about shooting a 12-footer. Joel Embiid has come out and basically said the same thing. So why doesn't Ben Simmons, is he so defiant in his in his mindset, mindset 
then I'm not going to shoot or I'm not even going to look to shoot. Or I, I don't get this. I don't get because whatever they're saying publicly, I'm sure they're saying privately. And and at some point, you think with Ben would take a ten footer or take a twelve footer, and I don't mean take ten of them or or, or three or three. Why doesn't he do it? Because he doesn't have to. And here's my reasoning. Think about this. Typically, like when when you came up and when I came up, and you covered, you know, you covered Temple with John Cheney. If John Cheney covered, I mean, he coached a lot of guys who went on to go into the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. He knew that they were going to be NBA players. But guess what he did? Whenever they did something that he didn't like, John Cheney would take them out the game, right? Well, Ben Simmons has never, has like Brett Brown never took him out of a game for anything. So it comes to a point where, where you realize, like, okay, they're not going to take me out. They're not going to do this. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. You know, and the guy you empowered him. So it's kind of like how you is the situation is the way the situation is set up for him. Keith, I get that. I get that. but what I'm saying is doesn't Ben himself personal sit there pro- and say pride? Boy, if I get the ball twelve feet from the basket and I look to the basket, it's gonna make it's gonna make the other team like it's gonna make me a better player, it's gonna make us a more dangerous team. And I'm not saying he has to do it ten times a game. I'm just saying, I, I would think Ben's smart enough to understand that for me to be to move up to that next level of whatever I can be, I have to at least have some semblance of that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, but evidently, yeah, I, I, I yeah, evidently, yeah. Right. and Mike, Mike, don't take this the wrong way. So, and Keith, please agree with me or disagree with me. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's a generational thing. Some of these guys just don't want to be told what to do. And I but almost, to this, but to this degree, uh, Kevin, yeah, that too, this is, also, yeah. I also think that the thing with Ben Simmons, I used to always say this, and, you know, I thought, you know, I always thought he would get out of it, but sometimes, you know, and, and this is, I sound repetitive saying it, but some, he has like a feel, uh, a fear of failure. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't want to, like he doesn't want to shoot the ball where it goes off the side of his hand and, and, you know, stuff like that. And then also, you know, is, is here, I hate to say it. Like, I know what you're saying, um, Kern, and, and it is a generational thing, Kevin, but it's also when you have a coach saying, you know, one minute he'll say, I want you to shoot. But then the other man is saying, Hey, I don't want to put pressure on him shooting the ball. I want him to play good defense. You know, I want him to distribute the rock. I and he does do this and do that. <laughs> and and that's what he says. That's my role, you know? And then, you know, they're saying, we need you to make shots. Well, you know, and he's looking, well, that's what you got Tobias Harris for. You know, th- that's what you got Josh Richardson for, you know? So, you know, that's where Ben is coming from. Can either you of know? you two guys, and you're pretty, you've seen a lot of basketball between the two of you, tell me one perimeter player at any level, but in the NBA, let's say, who never even looks to take a shot. I'm not saying a bad shooter or a reluctant shooter. There's the, there's those guys, and that's okay. But it's just like he he's almost put a line in the sand and said no. Yeah. And what are you going to do about it? Like you I mean, said, there were there were guys who were bad shooters yes. who kept shooting. Yes, or guys that didn't shoot a lot. Right. Yes, uh, but not Magic this. Magic when he was coming up was not a great shooter. Jason Kidd couldn't shoot. Shoot. But he shot. Yeah. I, I just it amazes me because Ben's got to be smarter than that. But 
uh, Keith, and and we'll let you go on this one, because um, I know you're busy down there. It, you know, look, is there somebody in Ben's ear saying to him, they're asking you to do too much, or is this Ben kind of just feeling it this way on his own? Um, I, I think that I, I don't know if it's some like I know when Brett Brown says someone say, you know, tell his agent, tell his family, tell this and that. Right. I think what they're saying, hey, be yourself. <laughs> like, don't, you know, be yourself, be in your comfort zone, you know, and, and I think that's what it is. Ben just doesn't want to step out of his his comfort zone. And, you know, he, he needs to do it because, believe me, you know, if Brett Brown said that to the media. Oh, he's been saying I'm behind the sure scenes. He said that being, you know, behind closed doors. I'm pretty sure that there's other people within the organization say, "Hey, look, we need you to do this," you know. Um, but I just think that it's one of those things where he just doesn't want to, you know, step out of his comfort so, zone. So, you Keith, know, if that's true, like, if that's huh? true, then why the big thing last summer when they sent out video of him putting it up against G Leaguers? From the three point line, like why would you the do same, that then? The same reason they the same reason we've been told the summer before that and the summer before that, <laughs> that he worked on his outside shot. This is this is you why know? this is why Keith hates those summer videos, don't you? Yeah, I mean it was heavily edited. You know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it was heavily. I edited. think I was guarding them too. I think that was part uh, of the, the I, thing. I think there, I think there was a Pruder film Jeez. cut in there at some point as well. Uh, Keith, finally, did they get this together at some point here? Uh, it depends. I don't think that, I mean, again, like we got to find out and, and figure out what they do at the, at the trade deadline, right. you know, and, and the buyout market. Ilya Sova. Could be a completely different team, huh? Ilya Sova. <laughs> Baron Nelly or whoever those two guys they picked yeah. up two yeah. years or, ago. Or maybe try to go back and get Robert Covington, a guy who, oh, who please, please. Oh, the processors, it, you know? the processors what, would love What are the that? chances you think JJ will be back here? I think JJ right now. The problem is, the problem is JJ makes too much yeah, money yeah. right about now. You know that's the problem. JJ's making too much money. He, you know, I mean, you could try to make it work, but you would have to give up. A, like, I, you know, you got to give up some assets. Because let's think about it. You know, JJ. You know, JJ's the type of guy that is not just the Sixers. Every team that's trying to make a a play a playoff push. Yeah, that's true. They're all trying to go after JJ Reddick too. Yeah, and you he know? may look around and say the Sixers Lakers. are not, Yeah, and the Sixers <laughs> are not the most attractive option. That's yeah. the other problem with yeah. it too. Yeah, so Keith Pompey yeah. from the Inquirer. Keith, have a good game happy tonight, New brother. Year. Yep, happy right, New Year man, to you and we'll you. talk to you soon. Hopefully think, it's the think, playoffs get think close. Think Myrtle Beach. All right. <laughs> all right. Thanks Keith. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Keith Pompey from the Inquirer joining us, and uh, I covered Temple with him for a couple years. Yeah, you guys have mentioned that. Keith, 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 I covered a lot. Of, I had Jeff McLean for a while, Nardo Jensen. I, I had a lot of different some guys. different personalities in there. Yeah, well, all good times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, all good. look, you know, there's not many bad guys in our profession, really, where you sit there and go, I don't want to be with that guy. We'll, we'll, we'll have them on our final show. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> But I mean, uh, yeah, and Keith and Keith is going on. Hey, he he, you know, when they moved him from Temple to the Sixers, and I, I mean, he's done a good job with it. It's not an easy beat. No, as that, you stated, when we opened, I mean, this the thing, travel is brutal. Travel is brutal. Um, I guess the Flyers' travel is kind of the sort yeah. of the same thing. I mean, and I know Sam gets some help with Barco, and I guess Keith gets some help Nardo. with Nardo. Nardo, and I mean, that's the way you got to do it because. 
it, it isn't going to get done any other way. But um, I don't think Keith knows the answers, and that's fair. Like I, I you know, when you look at like he says, see, let's see what they do at the trade deadline. Let's I, see. And I, I agree with that, but I, I also, I just believe that there's something here that's not going to get corrected at the trade deadline, and and it, it, it's almost like a a personality of this team. But but as Bob Ford said, you're the angel of death. Oh, me? Yeah. Why He's I- right because because you are you you're the first person, and I mean that I don't mean this nastily, to say that like like with the Brett Brown thing, like you know two games into the thing, you're that guy. You oh, may yeah. be right. You this thing may never work. It, it may well, never. I, I just believe that, and you may be right. The, the, their construction right now, and Keith mentioned the construction right now is not good. Right. And I don't know if there's a in uh take away A and put B in and I, I don't I'm, and fix it. I don't I think it's a very and I I wonder But you and, do and, know, and but you do and, know though. I mean Right. And Keith said that look, the last two years when they've had a shooter, right, they've been able to make Embiid and Simmons work. Yeah. But now we're talking about guys both of whom have made the big money. Mm-hmm. Both of whom are, as we've used in this term before, alpha dogs. And now you have Embiid kind of stepping they're diff- out. They're different come. dudes. Yeah. And you're now having got, you're now having Embiid stepping out and taking a little pot shot at Simmons. And, and, you know. But we're also asking him to, to do big things. And if I'm Ben Simmons, I'm looking and going, you can't stay healthy. Well, yeah. But we're also looking at two guys who are in, one's in his third year, right? One's in his fifth. One's six, he, really. No, but Embiid hasn't played six years. He's, no, no, but of service time. I'm just t- t- how long? But he's his fourth year playing. Fourth Embiid year has playing. one more year. What I'm saying is, Jordan didn't do it till his eighth year. LeBron didn't do it. Till, now I'm not saying that it's ever going. But what I'm, I, I guess, what I'm trying to say is, like, if you look this thing out mm-hmm. from an eight, let's oh, say an eight year to ten year window. Yeah, I don't know because I don't know if now if they never change, if this is who they are. Three years from now, only maybe a little bit better. It may not work because they both have flaws. Right. They have fundamental flaws. But if you're the Sixers, and here's where I, I go back, and you saw what worked. They had shooters. Two years ago, they went out and got two shooters. And then everybody said, well, they then came. were down the one shooter well, last year. Right. But two years ago, they couldn't guard the Celtics wing guys. Right. Okay. So we're, but once you construct the team, if you had these two guys, wouldn't you want to kind of surround them, even if it meant you might not be as good defensively? Or Mike, Mike this is the modern NBA. The modern NBA you is shoot, shoot. Well, and they don't shoot, and they've got two centers, which is, a, and that's a good thing when Embiid can't play. Let's say when Embiid's we, out we, for three weeks. We joked at the beginning of the year they were trying to win the nineteen eighty eight title. Well, I think the Horford move was partially to maybe to hurt Boston. I don't know this. I don't know what their thinking was. Their thinking might have been that we got to. And Keep Embiid's minutes and down Boston, so we can get to the and playoffs. And Boston's still upgraded with Kemba as opposed to Kyrie. Well, you think, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, if nothing else, it's it's substituting one right. star for another star. Um, and a little gonna, quicker star at this point. And a little younger. But all the guys that killed the Sixers drama. two years ago, I think most of them are still there, yeah. I, I guess. I don't know. They might have to make – they're talking now about them and, trading Hayward – for um the big guy um yeah. from Dallas or, or what te- whatever team maybe it's not Dallas but I'm just saying is you're the Sixers you constructed this team Tobias isn't going anywhere no you're stuck you're you're, you're you've almost you're, put yourself in salary Horf, cap out. ain't going anywhere right he's no. three years so if this doesn't work with two max contracts 
Three max contracts, if you can't. I mean, well, no, I'm saying two. Your your two center priests, like. But doesn't Tobias have a max contract too? Kind of. He's yeah. almost in a max. He's contract. almost in a max. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know, like what else they could have done. I I don't because they weren't bringing Jimmy for either. Jimmy didn't want to come back if Simmons was here. Blah 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 blah. The one thing Keith also said, and we've talked about this. Look, they, he doesn't think there's going to be an in season change. Of no, there won't coach. be. There won't be. But again. The, the level we've heard all along. Got to get to the East final. Got to probably get pretty deep in the East final to even have a chance to get back for for Brett Brown. And uh, I don't see that happening right I now. I wouldn't. If, if they get to the East final and lose to the Bucks, I don't fire them because I just think that. And, looks, and it may be a shade of how bad do you get beat? Do you get beat in four and you're not competitive or beat, do you get beat, beat in beat. seven like last beat year? Beat. You know, well, beat is beat. You lost it to the Toronto last year, and they shook up the team. You lost on a boom, 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 boom. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they think. Um, but if this group's together for the first year as this group, and you get to the Eastern Conference Final, you know, unless you lose in four and, and you look bad doing it, which I don't think would we, happen, but I guess it we could. We talked about this on the end of the year thing. I wonder if we're going to look back at last year and say that was the – that was the best shot. Best shot? What? Maybe two years from now is their best no, shot. No, no. But I'm just saying. I, I my, I guess my fear well, for this group is that last year may have. I think last year's window team being. I think last year's team was better. Yeah, I do too. But they didn't. They couldn't bring Jimmy. They, no. they that wasn't going to work. And apparently, JJ wanted too much money. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'm. Yeah, and, and if but if they had bought the same team back, let let's say they'd been able to sign Tobias and said, Jimmy. Yeah, then people would have said they would have stagnant and all that. But I mean, if they could have bought Tobias and Jimmy, and I don't know if they could. And JJ just said, "Here, we're bringing this team back." I wouldn't have been so upset. I would have said, "Okay, you, you came with, you took Toronto to seven. Yeah. But I think the thing that bothers me most with this team, with this group, and it's two things, I guess. When when you've talked about many of them, I mean, that Joel, you know. Eat better, be being whatever, and maybe he's just going to be that guy that's never quite in shape. I don't know, but the thing with Simmons really bothers me because it's almost like instead of him trying to meet somebody halfway oh. and saying, "Okay, I I I know I got to shoot a little more. I don't like it, but I got," and and that translates to the foul line because he doesn't even want to go to the oh. foul line, yeah. and a guy like Simmons should be going to the line like eight to ten times a game, yep. and and that just seems to me like like what you're saying. Going forward, if it doesn't change three years from now, are we sitting here, you know, saying what? <laughs> well, you know what we're going to be saying. But what's the what's the alternative? You, you, try, you say, hey, Embiid's on the market now. What are, what are you going to give me for him? Who's, what would somebody give you for Embiid? Seriously. You get more for Simmons. But, but either one of them, you're not going to get back what you think you should get back. You know, nobody's knocking on your no, door with an you, equal would trade. You, would you agree you would probably get more for Simmons because of the because of the injury history? <sighs> that's a that's a good question, Kevin. The one thing that I'll say about Embiid, I mean, there's not many Simmons. There's not many six ten guys that do what he does. But there's Embiid not many is a transcendent. There's player not many when Embiid. He's yeah, I get when it. he's 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 almost Giannis. He's not Giannis, but he's he he. I mean, when he's healthy, he's a thirty and twelve guy, pretty much. Uh, when Simmons is doing what Simmons does, he's a 20-10-10. Play good defense. I, that's a good question. I, and I don't 
I guess it would be depend oh, what, what team trying to do. what team was looking for what. Right. I mean, yeah. that's that's. Do you think I, anybody's ever calling the Sixers like saying, "Hey, well, is Simmons?" I would bet you by the end of the year. I mean, before that though. I mean, like like somebody um, calling the Sixers and saying, "Hey, that ain't working out real good, Elton." Like, you know, and we would think, it surprise me if there is a phone call made by a team in this offseason? No. Well, you raised an interesting point a, a couple shows ago, Damian Lillard. Now. I don't know much about Damian Lillard except he's a good player. I know right. he's a really good player. You said he's 29. But I don't know, like, if the Sixers traded Simmons, it fundamentally changes everything they do. You'd almost be starting from ground zero again. Because well, now there, you there wouldn't, have, a, there you wouldn't a, have the defender that you have. There was a rumor yesterday about uh, D'Angelo Russell from the Warriors for who? Simmons for D'Angelo Russell trade. And I think you're nuts. You would if you be do nuts that. if you did that. And even if they, even if it was Russell and something, and I don't know what the something would be that the Warriors would give you, mm-hmm. I just think in that you're, you're, you're I mean, I, and, I, and that doesn't mean maybe D'Angelo Russell's a twenty point scorer. I, I'm not saying he stinks, but you, you're just no. That, and you know what, Simmons would probably fit in great on Golden yep. State because yep. they got like, <laughs> and by next year they'll have like three shooters, around, shooters, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. When we come back, we'll talk Eagles, and we'll get into the NFL. They did, they did, what, did, what did the Eagles do? Uh, they did okay. a little shake-up and a little confusion out of the Novacare Complex. Plus, Which came first, the shake-up or the confusion? Or chicken or the egg. Uh, and then we'll get into our NFL picks. That's all here on Work of the Beat right after this. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way? This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work of the Beat podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports-crazed town. With the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. And we're back here on Work in the Beat. I'm Kevin Cooney along with Mike Kern. And just thanks our, thanks to Keith Wampay for joining us here on the first portion yeah, of the show. On a night where he's got a cover night where he's working. Yeah. He's probably tracking down fingers. And, and uh, that looked a little gruesome. It did. Would it surprise you if he's out to the All-Star break? Uh, how, what's that, like six weeks? Four weeks? Four five. weeks, five weeks. I mean, all I know King is the, we, all I know is the finger was sticking, and apparently, President say, "Look, I've had those before, not to that extent." Right. I guess it would be six weeks. You pull, you, you, just, you pull them out, and that's what they did, apparently. But my, oh my God, look, was it Baldinger? You know, when Baldinger oh, reaching the, the <laughs> finger sticking that way. Well, it was funny because I actually heard our buddy uh, Ray Dinger on yesterday with uh, Joe Cameron and John Ritchie talking about it. Came with it. They had a conversation about the uh, Embiid injury. And they were talking about how gruesome it was, and they mentioned Baldinger's name and and Benaric. And, and Ray told the story that Tom Brookshire used to say that you know uh, 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 Chuck Chuck would go into the huddle and you know like go on a rant and everything, and point fingers at people. And Brookshire's like, we never knew if he was pointing at us or because of the way the, the fingers, fingers were all fingers were going. All yeah, bad. I mean it was like a it was like it's a amazing. slip and you slide. See, I mean when you see Baldy. It's amazing because the one finger is like at a ninety degree angle. Yeah, and and Baldy's pinky. And and you wonder like how did get like they couldn't fix it? Like they could. I, I, well, it's atrophy. And 
Oh, oh, you mean that? Oh, God. Yeah. And there's, like nothing they can, no, there's nothing they can do with it. <laughs> we should get Baldy on the show to talk about that. Sure. <laughs> hey, whatever. Um, so we're going from there to the Eagles. And the Eagles today, in, in a confusing, confusing 24 hours. Uh, yesterday, we should point out on Wednesday that... Uh, uh, Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman met the media, and there's whole issues with that beyond the, what we could talk to, about in this time. But, you know, from the fact that Howie insisted that somebody called him and said J.J. Arcata Whiteside was going to be rookie of the year during uh, training camp. And they might have. They may have. They may have been doing it as a goof, too. But they, <laughs> no, but somebody seriously might have said, hey, we think you drafted a good guy. I, who knows? Um, but... Comes back out and says Mike Grow uh, will Mike and Grow and Carson Walsh will be back as offense coordinator, They're my guys. receivers coach. They're, They're my, my guys, guys. Was the quote, and I wish I had time to actually upload. No, nah, it's all right. It's, um, it's boring. Yeah, and kind of hymns and haws a little bit about uh, Schwartz. Jim Schwartz, right? So 24 hours later, almost literally to the minute, like well, you know, less because it probably happened last night. Well, yeah, but um, it's announced today. Yes. But Adam I'm, Schefter tweet first and then announced by the club about 45 minutes later that both are out. Uh, Mike Grow, not the offense coordinator, uh, and Carson Walsh, not the wide receivers coach. Um, and Which makes Doug look like a fool. And the word is that this came, our buddy Jeff McLean saying, this came pretty much from the owner, Jeff Lurie. Well, what, other decided con- in- what other conclusion would you draw? Well, I know we read between the tea leaves a lot and we're, and we're wrong a lot. But what other... Did Doug change his mind in, in eight Doug, hours? Could Doug have been covering yesterday and trying to... But then, no, no, then you don't say anything. Then you say we're evaluating like he did with Schwartz. Right. You don't come out and say they're my guys, they're back. No, 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 no. No, because this makes Doug look like a fool. You know what I said? I know what I said. Um, now this makes Doug look, and you can only assume it came from somebody above Doug or there's only two people above or Doug. Howie. Well, there's only two people. There's Howie and Lurie. That's it. Cause Howie could have, in theory, Howie could, if it was a Howie call, Howie steps in yesterday and goes, well, we're evaluating everything. Well, then that's stupid because Howie should have told him before the press conference, don't comment on your coordinates. And this is why, like when you're waiting for an end of the season press conference, 72 hours later, you better have your your I's dotted, your T's crossed, everything, and make sure you're on the same page. I think and what here they did was, not look that way. I can only assume. We, look, we sat here a month ago, and we said, there's going to be changes. Mm-hmm. Then they win the four games, and then it's like, well, there might not be changes because, you know, they look better, whatever. They, they got these practice squad guys to play well. I think the only thing I can assume from this is that the owner didn't like what he saw before those last four games. And wasn't going to get fooled by what he saw in the final four games. And, and But does Lurie do this a lot? Like, I, I don't know if Jeff does this a lot because we really don't know. This is the only thing I'll say going forward. If I'm the Eagles, because I know I think Jeff came out and said they should draft a cornerback. No, 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 no. Unless every wide receiver on the board that they would even possibly think about taking is gone. The Eagles have had four years of Carson Wentz, and, and he hasn't been in the playoff game, this time through no fault of his own. Well, none of them through no fault of his own. If he's going to be your quarterback for the next six, seven, eight, nine years, whatever you think that's going to be, where, and some of those years you should be a Super Bowl contender. Not all of them. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be. 
you have to give him the wherewithal. You have to put weapons around him. You saw what Brady was like this year when the Patriots kind of slipped. Every other quarterback usually, not all the time, has weapons. Mm -hmm. He doesn't. And I think one thing that you have to also have is a fresh set of eyes in your coaching. Well, that, and um, you know, maybe that was Frank Reich. Well, and the immediate snap judgment that a lot of people have was, oh, you elevate Deuce Staley. Mm Mm-hmm. Who has mm-hmm. been the uh, assistant head coach of yeah, I don't charge know of offense about, and all yeah. that? I don't know. And, and they, nothing, they're, they're nothing work, against the, aren't they working on a, like their six wide receivers coach in like three years? Six wide receivers coach in f- four years. That's not good. Okay. Um, you know, to me, like, I I want somebody from outside the building to come in. I kind of want somebody who maybe Doug has familiarity with. Yeah. I hear you. You know, the name that got mentioned, and you're going to cringe, was Pat Shermer. I thought you were going to say Steve Adazio. No. Um, no, you would have you you been running out on the street I if don't that think happened. Pat Shermer is a good head coach. Pat Shermer has been a good offense coordinator again, almost he's everywhere he's building, gone. Right? He hasn't been in the building with Wentz. With Wentz? Okay. Uh, fair, okay, fair uh, enough. Uh, I, Wentz and Doug. No, he was with Chip, obviously. I th- well, okay. Yeah, I think every team, every team, College, pro, whatever. At some point, you have to self-evaluate yourself. You have to, because other teams are evaluating you. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you should always look at yourself and and say, are we running this play too much on third and three? Like, are we we predictable? And I don't know who does that. Like, I don't know who within your organization does that. I wouldn't say the Eagles are predictable. I didn't mean that. No, no, I'm I'm just just saying. So, it's not a... Hey, the the Patriots are predictable. Right. It's not a... Have you grown stale thing? It's a, what can you do to kind of kick this to another level remember, that you don't have to go all the guys. I remember somebody got. saying this year, that when the, I think it was when the Eagles were going to play the Pats, that like 95% of the time on like third and four, I think Ray Dinger might come out with this. They throw to the running back coming like out of the backfield. Well, that's predictable, but if you can do it like 80% of the time, here's what's amazing to me. When they and obviously they were eleven and two with Wentz two years ago, so something was working. Whatever they were doing, something was right. But when Foles became the quarterback and it didn't work at first, and they took those two weeks and reinvented the offense so that it would work for Nick, right? Mm-hmm. Why can't you make an offense that works for Carson? I mean, that to me is the most important of this team going forward, and whatever they did in those first thirteen games in in seventeen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was good because he would have been the MVP of the league. Are they running the same offense they are that they were running then? Is Carson less mobile because of the knee injury? Did he have better weapons that year? I'm I'm just trying to well, go you back. On it. And yeah, and I think I think they probably had some better weapons. Well, Alshon was better. Better uh, right? playing Ag- with a play. Aguilar was better. That was his one good year. Um, Who else was it? Tory Holt. Tory Holt. Tory Holt was could go more deep. a better over the top thing. Yeah, you know, Jackson would have been better. You but had a jive for like half the year, right? And then you well, had Lagara Blunt, who I think that, that, that to was, be honest, the Eagles have missed. I mean, uh, probably, sure. Yeah. Ertz um, Ertz was pretty good that year. I'm, I'm guessing. Was. Yeah. Um, they they had they had a Selig at that point too, I, I and seem they to had remember, Trey Burton too. I seem to remember Carson making more plays with his feet then. And, somebody, and that was and that was somebody the, brought that up today. I think yeah, and get that up, was. The part of the last four weeks that was encouraging that Wentz was able to move out of the pocket did not seem anchored into that 
into that little area between the hashes and was able to make plays. So it was almost getting Wentz back. And I thought Crow, if you want to give Crow a lot of criticism that it took 12 weeks for this to happen, mm-hmm. you give him credit that in the final five, uh, four weeks, he adjusted and was able to get him outside. Somebody was making the point, and again, I think it was on Get Up, but I'm, I'm not probably, that the Eagles didn't have enough plays for Carson where he was just a runner. Like, you know, he said, like, Russell Wilson, there's plays where Russell, obviously the Baltimore quarterback does that. I don't know how much Mahomes does it, um, especially since he injured his ankle early this year. But it just seems to me, I want Carson, like, three or four times a game when you do that, you know, the whatever they call it. The, I, they used to right. do the run-pass option with Foles, and you don't hear much about that anymore. Because sometimes when he goes to do that handoff to, to Sam, there's nobody. Like, right. Yen goes right in. And I'm not saying you do it 10 times because he'll lose his leg. I understand that. But to me, Carson still can be a weapon that way. And they just drop him back in the pocket a lot. And I'm just like, especially when the, like, the left side, of your, the right side of your line's out. And I don't know. But he, he played well in those four games. I know they didn't play anybody except for the Cowboys. And even that, you would question. But they're ahead. okay. I mean, they got talent. They don't, you know, whatever. But he looked good in those four games. I mean, he took the dung that he was playing with and they played. Played well enough to win. It wasn't always pretty, but to me, everything on this team. And now, here's the question to you: Do you go to Carson and say, Carson, would he have? Will he have any input on who was the next offensive coordinator? Oh, I'm sure that he'll be consulted in some form. You think He's so? A franchise quarterback, yeah. Well, but but do you think that that's how? And, I don't know. And, I'm, and that's this why is I'm where asking. and this is where like the dilemma comes in. You don't want to be completely. Like servant to Wentz's wishes, sure, because you have to find somebody that works well with Peterson, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yet Doug can't put somebody there who's just his guy. You almost have to find a way to make it work. You know, that's what makes the the discussion about uh, you know the discussion about Shermer interesting. Uh, you know, it's going to make one name that got mentioned earlier, and I don't know how serious this is or not. Is Joe Brady, who's the offense coordinator at LSU, uh, oh, okay. who used to be with the Saints, who does have an NFL background. Oh, and he made Burrow, Burrow. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, would that be interesting? I don't know, but I would think it's more. And again, this is nothing against Deuce Staley. I think Deuce Staley, if he became an offense coordinator, would be you. just fine. I hear you. I'm just at a point of if you're... It's too much Doug. Yeah, you yeah. almost have to have somebody, too, who has a little bit of a cachet who could go to Doug and go, Doug, no. I hear you. And that's what we think Reich and did how about perfectly. The, how about and the I don't other think Roe ever did. How about the other position? The DiFilippo position. Because well, he's another name that's to me, been mentioned. But I don't think... What, coming back? Coming back, but I don't see that happening because... Where's he at now? Jacksonville. Oh, and, and he might be... Well... There's questions about what that staff's going to look like. Who got who got the job? Did they? Well, did, Marone stayed, but there's oh, questions stayed. about. Oh, crap. How the hell? How the hell did he stay? Um, yeah, I mean, to me, that's the person who really has the relationship with the quarterback. You know, because yeah. the coordinator is dealing with eleven guys or eleven positions. Yeah, he's dealing with one. You know, that's kind of, that's one of the most special, that's like being the goaltender coach, right? Yeah. You're just, you're just telling Carter Hart how to stop pucks. Um, it's going to be interesting. And, and and if this really happened the way that it looks like it happened, if you're Doug, how do you feel? 
I mean, you just got to you. You got made to look like a little bit of like a fool. Yeah, you did. Um, and, and I don't think Doug likes looking like a fool. No, he doesn't handle that real you know, well. And it's strange because. Uh, and I'll give a plug for our buddy. Uh, I'll give a plug for our buddy Angelo Cataldi. Uh, he's going to be on on Friday morning on the WIP Morning Show. And next Monday, he's getting honored by the sports. For, oh, two Mondays. No, two Mondays. Two oh, Mondays. I'm, I'm sorry. Doug will be on. Oh, WIP. Doug's going to be on? Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. I may listen to that. That is going to be interesting radio because... He's going to other, ask him about... Well, this, I'm sure, is going to be the main topic. But the other topic that came up, and, and I think it's a valid topic. One, we talked about this off air. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of criticism today on talk radio about the fact that it took 27 minutes for the Eagles beat writers to um, get to the subject of. But you had a good answer hit. for that. But my answer is, and, and this is not as a, as a reporter, as a reporter. Yes. And I kind of throw this on the Eagles. OK, because Howie had not been available since mm-hmm. June mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe since training camp, so July. Um you have to fill basically four months of notebooks through that one press conference, that half-hour time frame. So maybe the immediate question gets put on the back burner for stuff that you think you're going to need down the road because you have a half-hour window with the general manager. That being said, it took 27 minutes of a 30-minute press conference before the Wentz topic was brought up by our buddy Ed Kratz, who I used to work with at the Intel and the Courier. And... Really, the answer that uh, Doug gave was kind of, well, it happens, and, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate and all that. And that, of course, sends people nuts because they think that you're not protecting your franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think the Eagles have been strong enough in the way they have commented on what happened? So what should they have said? I'm I'm asking you. I guess they're saying ignore – I guess – Somebody would say, ignore the fine, stomp on, stomp on the table, but what, and try to get your quarterback treated the same way other elite yeah, quarterbacks are treated. This the is league. the problem whenever something like this happens is you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how Carson feels about it because yeah, maybe Carson doesn't care one way or the other. Um, but so if Doug comes out and says, I think it was a cheap shot. I think he should have been penalized. I think he should have been fined. I think that maybe they should have eject him for this week. Like any any stuff like that. Okay, you're going to piss off Pete Carroll. Not that you care if you piss, piss off, off Pete, Pete Carroll at this or, point, or to, but yeah, so you're going to you know. I think that you just you leave yourself out there. No, you do. Like the next time, maybe one of your guys mm-hmm. does something like then that. Then you look hypocritical if you don't come down. I don't on your know own what guy. the right answer is. I think he he maybe. I don't know. Maybe you couch it more and say, yeah, you know, I think they could have thrown a flag there. You know, uh, my quarterback was in the open field. It was a helmet to helmet, which would all be right. You know, it was a helmet to helmet without getting into the fact that maybe Clowney did it on purpose or didn't do it on purpose. Uh, But other than that, I don't really like, you know, you're going to land face the officials. You're going to, you know. That's something if you do it in the immediate moment on Sunday night after the incident, that's the time. Yeah, probably. And if Doug saw it beforehand and didn't kind of pound the t- pound the podium, then shame on Doug. But do you call the? Do you, but then do you handle behind later, the scenes? Do you call the league and say, "Hey, guys, I didn't go public with this, but I'm telling you right now, you've seen the film. That's a dirty hit. That guy should have been penalized. Protect my quarterback. My quarterback is, is should get protected like 
Russell Wilson would get protected or Rodgers. And look, I've seen times this year, to be honest with you, where Wentz is – they've thrown a 15-yard penalty on some guy like coming through the line. A love tap barely, to the side of the face. Yeah, so, yeah. But I don't think – he, he doesn't get protected the same way, Wilson and Rodgers. Well, then again, I mean, Wilson's been in the league for seven years and won a Super Bowl. I don't know if that even factors into it. I'm just saying, Tom Brady, you can't touch Tom Brady. You know, Drew Brees, I think, is kind of like that a little bit. Um, is he protected the same as Mahomes? And, and Well, I don't know if Mahomes can. And, and the other thing was he was out of the pocket, That's it, which that's changes it. Um, but, but that doesn't change helmet to helmet. Yeah, and, and I don't think the fans, when, when Doug answers it the way he did, I don't think it makes the fans feel good, regardless of what I think or you think or no, or, right. or what is politically correct. The fans, I mean, I heard fans calling in that, that, that after Malcolm Jenkins should have taken Russell Wilson out of the game that time when he came in on that blitz. I'm like, okay, I, I get it. I, I get your mentality. Or somebody should have taken Clowney out. That was some guy called up and said, like, back in the day, there was no way Clowney would have survived that game. They were like, okay, well, no. Yeah, it's funny. On, on my way to school today, I heard people say, "Oh, you know, it was on it was on the morning show." And I don't want my coach to not show emotion. Well, guess what? Then Bill Belichick would never be your head coach, right? I mean, look, it's it's like I used to say when Larry Brown said too much, right? It would always be, "Oh, Larry." Uh, um, I can tell you who the, the perfect- guy in Kansas City didn't say enough. Right? Like, like no coach is ever perfect. I. Oh, I'll tell you who I think the perfect combination was, to be honest. Go ahead. Charlie. Charlie was good. Yeah. Charlie is as was as perfect at handling getting the messages yeah, to crew, uh, across, protecting his players, ripping his players when he needed to. Charlie, to me, was the perfect But, but I'm talking about in that. press conferences, oh, what I know. we get with guys. There's People will say Andy Reid never told you anything, which he didn't. He didn't. But then when Larry Brown would tell you too much... Then he would he get was, ripped. He would get ripped. Yeah. So we want it like both. We want it both ways. Who who was a guy other than Charlie that would have been like that kind of guy? I'm trying to think. Well, we know it's not a hockey guy. Uh, hockey guys. If you're saying the guy's breathing, yeah, it's uh, yeah. You're probably right about the hockey guys. I'm trying to think. So what sport are we? Oh, you already gave me Charlie. Bow. Bow um, may have been. I too think over people. The top. I think people said Bow would would have been like the Larry Brown, Brown. kind of thing. Um, you know, I hey look. And then by like year twelve, they, they, well, Andy doesn't tell you anything. Well, no kidding, he's been here twelve years. Like, no. what don't you, you know? Oh God! All right, uh, so we have hit divisional playoff weekend. I I always have believed this is the best weekend of the NFL season. Although the weird thing is, I don't think it's going to be that great. This well, weekend. no, there's a lot of points. <laughs> well, look, last weekend, big point spreads. Three of the underdogs won. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, so play your music. Uh, we got to play. I didn't. I almost. Play the wrong music. Here we go. Just point me where you wanna go. Take me to the action. Take me to the track. Take me to a party if they're threatening in the back. I've been working all my life. Can't afford to wait. Let me call my wife so I can tell her I've been late. I want to ease it. Easy. Mm-hmm. Easy. Alright, so now last week. Yeah. Because I noticed from the from the betters insider stuff, whatever. The underdogs went three and one. Should have went, could have went four and zero oh if if Wentz doesn't didn't get, get knocked out. And apparently that's a trend. The last three years in that round, the underdogs and have done teams. very very well. Um, visiting teams because right. the visiting teams usually the underdog. 
I don't know. I haven't looked into this weekend yet, so I don't. And I, I, I had all the underdogs last week, so I, I guess if I went three and one. Um, this week the spreads are much different. I mean, there's 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 some heavily favored teams. Um, the only game that's under a touchdown, I think, is the Packers and the Seahawks. Um, because I haven't really studied it, but this is the week where you get the team come with a week rest. Mm-hmm. You know, won their division. Um, well, one of the was one of the two top seeds, and as we've seen in the last six, seven, eight years, the one or two seed usually winds up going to the Super Bowl. Right. So, of course, that doesn't bring in the spreads. I mean, you know, the Packers could win by one, Kansas City could win by one, but usually those teams don't lose a lot. No. In this round, so what that means, who the heck knows? And so, so you're not as excited. What you're trying to tell me is you're not as excited as you usually are for this weekend. Yeah, because I think the number of double digit seeds, you know, I, I think that makes it not good teams. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So as we look at the pick segment, and we'll start with the first game. It should be on. Where's my music here? I don't know. Where's your music? My music's not working. Well, then you'll have to do it without music. Oh, no. There it is. Okay. Um, all right. So I'll throw the game out. What's the first game? It's the Saturday of 430 game in the okay. NFC at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara. Vikings and the 49ers. The Vikings okay. are, or I'm sorry, the 49ers are seven point favorites. Hey, give me your over under is 45. I know you're going to take. You're going to take the Niners. No, I'm taking the Vikings. Even with the wide. See, I was leaning towards the Vikings. The Thielen injury scares me. And Diggs, I actually thought the last two days with, a, with like a flu, right? Like a and flu Cook has Cook has had the, the the shoulder issues and everything. But if they were all healthy, I would think the Vikings have a really good shot of winning this I, game. I would agree with you. The Niners, but you know what happens? I'm when scared we, when about we Garoppolo. Agree. You know what I happens know. when we? I'm agree scared about Garoppolo in a playoff setting. I don't know why. I just them. Well, look, the first game for every quarterback in a playoff. No matter who you are, and and you know Jackson lost his playoff game last year. Um, he hadn't played the whole year, but yeah, I mean it's. It, but the Vikings were such a you know. Can they win a big game? Then they go and win a big game. It's like and now everybody's well, now like, can, can you win another one? Um, it's tough, but it's tough. By the way, being the road team two weeks in a row. Sure. Yeah. I like mean, this. I, I think, and this is, I think, on betters and Siders, we will probably just take a couple teasers because I don't really like a whole whole lot. I don't see San Francisco losing this game, but I would have if they were. If, if the Vikings were healthy, I would have. Well, but I think I, the Vikings have now. a chance. I do too. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily pick them. But I don't the, know what the money line would be. You could, oh, excuse me. You could probably get a pretty good thing on the money line, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, and the 49ers in the last month of the season. Were okay. They they were good, but they, they weren't, weren't great. Their defense wasn't as good as it had been. Um, I love their tight end. Jesus, oh god, how can I not like it? But yeah, <laughs> a, it'll be an interesting. So, I'm not getting into so the you're going to take the Vikings in the seven. I'll take the Vikings in the seven. Jeez, okay, you know, just so we're different against my better judgment. You're going to take the Niners uh, just to be different. Okay, I, I, I because of the injuries, and and you know what, Thielen will probably wind up catching two touchdowns, and Diggs mm-hmm. will have two touchdowns, and you know. Of all the home, who are you rooting for in that game? Like, who would you rather see win? Oh, I want to see chaos at this point. So I would rather see the Vikings win. Okay, fair enough. I, I love chaos. Okay, fair enough. 
And that being said, I think the Vikings are the only road team that will win this week or has a shot to win this weekend. I don't think they are, but okay. Okay. It's fair enough. The night game on Saturday night, Titans are 10 and a half, uh, 10 point underdogs at Baltimore. I will say this. If, and I think the whole key to this game. Over under is 47, by the way. Can the Titans get up on them? I think if the Titans, if, they, if Baltimore's up 10 nothing after the first quarter, I think it's probably downhill. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be tough. But I'll tell you what, the Titans are pretty good. They're not. They got a lot of grit. They got a great running back. Now I don't know if he's going to be able to. Henry. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to be able to do what he did last week. Well, they they took all the pressure off Tannehill. Right. Tannehill has played really well. The key here for me is Lamar Jackson hasn't had to do anything for three weeks. So whatever bumps and bruises he had could be rusty too. He could be a little rusty early. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mark Ingram will be back for this game. He will play. uh, Tennessee's kind of a gritty little team, though. Yeah. Again, they are. But again, I'm not saying they're great. I think asking them to go from New England to Baltimore. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's and a lot. So but I'm that's gonna, why you're getting 10. <laughs> do I think, do I you, think the Titans could cover? Yeah, I could. Well, who are you taking? I'm taking Baltimore. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take go the, the other way. Okay. I'll, I'll just go the other way so that we have a, unless I really, really All like right. a side. If you were going to tease that game, like, do you think me teasing? I think Baltimore win- wins the game. But it would be stupid for me to take, like, the t- t- Titans up to, like, 18? Or is that, you know, do you um, think it'll be a. F- well, you took Baltimore, so I obviously. Baltimore. Okay, go ahead. Go All to right. Sunday. Then we'll go to Sunday. Honestly, what I would say is the worst game of the weekend Texans at Chiefs. Kansas City is a 10 point favorite. Both AFC games are 10 point favorites. Now, you know, the Texans won there in week two. I- 31-24. I'm not sure if that was the game where Mahomes got injured because the the Chiefs were winning 17-3 after the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I'm just throwing that out. I don't know. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Oh, I don't mean that as the reason why I, think, I would play I, Houston. I, I, I think the Chiefs... Houston should have lost last week. I think Houston should have lost last week. I think... And I'll take Andy Reid over Bill O'Brien. I'll take Pat Mahomes over Deshaun Watson. Not that Deshaun well, Watson's take bad. To get beat him by eleven. That, that's what yeah, I saying. do actually. I think that's the route of the weekend. And see, see, I would because here's the other part. I have a tough time with the way that Kansas City's defense has played over the last six played weeks. Well, I have a tough time thinking that the Houston and, can and come I still close think I still think Mahomes up. is better than Jackson. I, I think Jackson deserves. And tell me how Will Fuller's if Will Fuller's well, going to play. See, I, I'll t- because that offense yeah. for uh, w- with Hopkins, it's so much different if Fuller's there because Fuller's stre- and Fuller's like Deshaun Jackson; he can stretch the field. I don't. But if he's not there, you could just kind of double. I don't double think pop. Houston can win the game. I don't think so either. So I'm just betting them to stay close, and I I do like Deshaun. Would I, you take I, a double underdog AFC teaser of sixteen? No, I'd probably take the Chiefs down to three is what I would do in okay. that game. The other game, I don't know. The other, the other, I mean, you could take both those games down to three, but I think I could see Baltimore losing more than KC. That's just me. I, I think KC, I, I think KC's got a real shot to, but this week, I just don't see Houston going there for the second time in a year and winning at KC. Especially the way the Chiefs have played lately. I mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs. It's funny they're hitting their stride at the right time. They they really are, and that's what you want to be doing as a team. 
So I, I would probably, I mean, you could probably talk me into taking Houston in the 10. Well, talk in anything, I'm sure. I but. think the Chiefs are going to win the game. That's what I'm saying. All right. Final game is. I think this is an interesting game. This is interesting. At Lambeau, it's statistically the closest game of the weekend. You know who the pressure, all the pressure's on this week? It's on the Packers. It's, it's on, on Aaron Rodgers. Because the pits Put up or Super, shut up. The pits of the Super Bowl. I, look, I understand that the Packers are a flawed team. Okay? Well, they're not the Packers. They're we, not the Packers. They're we're better defensively. To, but offensively, they're not as good they have Aaron Jones and they have, yeah. and, but Aaron Rodgers, they have a running game that could yeah. go with this. Aaron Jones rushed for 1,000 yards. Yeah. And was able to get out of the backfield and was able to do a lot of things. So, again, you know, both these teams play a lot of close games. They do. Um, I would lean. I'll go for Packers I, I are 7-1 at home. I, I would lean towards Seattle. And, and this and this is the strange part. Packers are 7-1 at home. Seattle's now 8-1 eight eight on, on the road. road. Yeah. It comes down to who, what quarterback do you trust more? I, I mean, I think they're, but look, they're both going to the Hall of Fame probably. Rodgers definitely is. I think Wilson will probably be in that same argument. At some point soon, I just think it's going to be a close game. I, I and Seattle doesn't always look. Like, and I know their running back situation stinks. I know that. And if there's any justification in the world, Clowney will get hurt this week, or somebody will take Wilson out, or whatever. But I just see that being a close game. And yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take a shot with the. Maybe it's asking too much to say Seattle. You went to Philly. Now you got to go to Lambeau. And and the Packers used to be unbeatable at Lambeau, especially in the postseason. Strange part is that if somehow Minnesota wins, Seattle's playing for a home game. Yeah, yeah I never thought. Well, yeah, I never thought of that because yeah, you're right. I mean, if if Minnesota were to pull the upset, yeah, you're right. Um, then I I might even like Seattle more. More. Uh, you know, um, what's all right? My traditional rule on this weekend. This is this is an. Unofficial. And I don't like any of these games. I mean, oh, I'll, I hate, I'll be, I hate I'll be honest all. with you. But my traditional rule has always been okay. And, and I look, I don't have numbers to prove it or anything. It always feels like one game a road team wins. There's always one game out of these four where the road team will. Although there's been a lot of one versus twos lately. There has been. I mean, I'm just I know, saying, and it's strange. It's it's just the, the league has changed a little bit. It's, it didn't used to quite be that way. I mean, the Packers won three road games in 2010 to get to the Super Bowl. That doesn't happen last, often. I, the only thing the I'm, last two years has been one versus twos. The only thing I'm sure about this weekend, or I'm, I feel confident, is that the Chiefs will win. I don't see. I could I could make a case for almost any of the other teams losing. You know, Baltimore. If the Titans get ahead of them. I mean, I, I'm not saying Baltimore's going to lose. Um, what, what was the other the um, the San well, Francisco, San Francisco. Game. If, if Minnesota's guys are all healthy, I can make a case for Minnesota maybe winning that game. You know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. The this Packer, is the most likely one you think of the road teams to win. Who the Seattle? Seattle. Well, the spread would dictate that to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably yes. But the the only thing I feel good about saying this weekend is that the Chiefs will be playing next weekend. Right. And probably in Baltimore, but maybe not. Maybe it'll be playing. I think this is Andy's year. I, just, I, I don't know why, because he's only been to one Super Bowl. I just think they are peaking at the right time. But they've, Gim- they've kind of been flying under the radar, because Baltimore legitimately right. has gotten all the... And they should. They've had a great season. Getting back to this Seattle 
Packer game. A mm-hmm. couple things that factor in that's strange. One, you always look at weather at Lambeau in January. It's about 20 degrees. Wind chill factor probably about five okay. or six. Okay? okay. Two, 640 Eastern time start, yeah, which is a colder. first, which is a first, by the way, on divisional weekend for the Sunday games that they're going basically three and six thirty for the night game for yeah. the night game. Well, and Green Bay being the night game, just making it a little more. I, the other thing that scares me about Green Bay a little bit is nobody's talking about Green Bay. Green, green, really, and the NFC is pretty wide open. I mean, all four teams, well, the, and this is, uh, but nobody's talking about, about Green, green Bay. Bay. Yeah, they're kind of like they're you know, I could, and and I think from a a, a fan standpoint, Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl would be pretty cool. You know, ten years after, nine years after he went to his only Super Bowl with, with the coach, with a first-year coach. Well, and that and that's obviously the concern. I would say how the first-year coach handles well, this see. against Pete Carroll, well, the San Francisco coach. It's his first playoff game. You know, he, yeah, but he's been there as an assistant. I don't care about an assistant. Matt Lafleur has you, not never been there. I don't care. You're okay. an assistant. Who cares? You you ain't well, made. You were the offense coordinator. Yeah, but you ain't the guy. Now your last it's, memory. It's, four, of, it's fourth and three. Are we going for it? You know. We're, we're, well, the last memory of him is having Matt Matt Ryan drop back in the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not <laughs> that's a good. Not exactly. But I mean, it's it's like either. it's like uh, you know up, two, up twenty eight to three with a, <laughs> two years ago the Rams. You know, they got to the playoff first year coach. He did he had a tremendous season and they looked like crap in the playoff game. Lost to um they lost at home. To yeah, they, somebody lost uh, to the Falcons. Falcons. Now last year they got to the Super Bowl. So he obviously Then they look like crap in the Super well, Bowl. Well, hey, look, that was Bill Belichick. That that was as much Bill Belichick as it was them looking like crap. All right. So I'm gonna take I'll take the Packers. I'll, I'll take Seattle. I'll take Seattle. I'll take the Chiefs. I think we both like the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, you, you, I'll, I'll tell I'll you take what. A just, just to be and I'll di- take the Vikings. Yeah. I could be different and take the Texans just to somehow cover the game, but I just think the Chiefs no, are. I, I, no, you can't. Yeah. Realistically, you, come on, you know. I, I mean, just, I, I, I'm telling you, if next week, here the, the two best teams in the league are in the AFC. I think that doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl. It just means I think the two best teams depends on the matchup. And obviously. There was three teams that won 13 games in the NFC, so I can't. I think Baltimore Kansas City next week would be fascinating. It would be f- because Kansas City lost at home last year in a shootout. That would probably be a shootout. We should point out that would be the three o'clock game next Sunday. It would be the AFC is the wow. three o'clock. This year. That would be pro- and in the NFC. I mean, like I guess what I would root for. I want to see the Packers, and that's nothing against Seattle because I like I like Seattle. I and, don't, and I think that's what makes the whole Eagles situation. Not that I think I'll tell you the game I don't want to see what. Packers Vikings. I do not want to see that game. I don't need to see that game. You could probably guess that, that game. game. But I've, I don't want to see that I game. Saw that game I, three weeks I want ago. to see Packers 49ers or I want to see 49ers Seahawks. I'll tell you what, Seahawks Vikings would even be okay for me. Two nah. teams. No, no, it wouldn't do anything for me, but I think it'd be, be so neat. fascinating to see a five seed host. It would be neat one year just to see that. You know, uh, didn't the year the Eagles played the Cardinals? It, were, the Cardinals were like the four seed, right? Cardinals were the two, actually. They were the two? I think. The Eagles were... The Eagles were the one. Or the six. That, okay, I thought the Cardinals the Eagles went to Minnesota one, and then the Cardinals Eagles... Cardinals were, were the two that year when they went to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought they were lower than that, but that's okay. But no, a five... I think, maybe, maybe they were a three. I think a five-six oh. matchup would be pretty cool. You know, it or, might not be the the marquee thing that we want to see, but 
Hey, two teams. <laughs> nobody gave a snowball's chance in Alabama. Nobody thought the Vikings were going to beat the, the Saints. Most people, a lot of people didn't think Seattle was going to beat the Eagles, and they might not have if Wentz didn't get clocked. Are you fascinated by the idea? You know, we talk about the NFC being this wide open. Now, it sounds like Wentz would have played this week from what Doug said yesterday, although maybe we don't, shouldn't. Uh, I don't want to get into whether they would have won this week. Come on, Jesus. They would have been playing with me and you at wide receiver at, where, where would they have been? At Packers? And everybody's, oh, they won at Green Bay. Yeah, they won at Green Bay. I, I, I mean, would it have been nice to have the Eagles playing? Sure. Would, would it have been, been nice to, and let me ask you, so if the Eagles were at Green Bay this week, they'd be 10. No, they wouldn't be that high. They'd be like a 6, 6, 7. If Seattle's four and the Eagles had beaten Seattle and had Wentz as their quarterback, ooh, they, they'd be like about what Seattle is. It wouldn't be 10. There's no way in God's green earth it would Maybe be 10. Maybe eight and no. a half. No, 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 Kevin. I think it's over a touchdown. No. No. I'm, I, Kevin, I'm, I'm just telling you. It would be, why would it be any different than what Seattle is? Because Seattle, as you have mentioned to me this week, it was 11 and five. Yeah, but if the Eagles had taken Seattle out, you know, and and I'm not saying it would have been. I'll put it this way: it would have been between four well, and seven. It would have been be, okay. between four and seven, okay. like five and a half, six. So because the Eagles would have the win over them, you know, I mean that would count as something. Strangely, I could see Seattle the, the highest scoring game of the weekend. I could see as being Seattle Green Bay. I don't think so, because of the reasons you said the, the weather right. night, and Seattle plays a lot of those low scoring games. I I, I think I, would I could just see that being a goofy kind of game. That, only if there's like turnovers and stuff that which I think could happen. Yeah. I would take the under. What did you say the under was at? Forty nine, I think you said. Uh, <laughs> that one. The over under is forty seven. I would think about the under. You know, the under last week was was all over. To, it won four all four games. Yeah, which I don't know if that's happened before. That seems to me. Do you like the over under fifty one on Kansas City and Houston? Yes. Okay. Yes. What what are the other two? Uh forty seven I think Ra- the Chiefs might score like like thirty five forty themselves. I could be overrating the Chiefs. Trust me. I could I could totally be overrating the Chiefs. Ravens are forty seven. Ravens Titans. Man, that's an interesting line because Vikings Vikings forty ers is forty four and a half. I kinda like the under in that game, to be honest. I think that's like a seventeen ten game for me. No, I think it's going to be higher. You think? Okay. I think they could get to the mid-20s. Like, you know, 24, 24 21, 21, 27, 24. See, Baltimore game's interesting because Baltimore, if Baltimore gets ahead in that game, it could be a steamroller. You know, it could turn into like a, a you know, 38-17 Baltimore win because they play downhill really well. Right. Um, the only way the Titans, to me, have a shot in that game is to get in front and then have Derrick Henry, you know, do his thing and try your best to contain. You're not going to stop Baltimore. No. But just keep him, like, I think in front of you. The Titans win that game. It's going to be like, Baltimore's going to score at least like 20 points. Mm -hmm. So the Titans are going to have to score in the 20s, I think. Yeah. So what did you say the over-under was? 47. See, I, I think you got to play the over in that game, yeah, don't I you? Do so. I do. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And Baltimore, obviously, the teams who come off the the, the week off, you, once you get off that rust, once you get that initial rust out, if you get it out in the first half, 
it's usually hey, maybe a maybe shot. Jackson gets it out in the first series. Yeah, could be. I, I mean, and, and, and we, we'd be remiss if we didn't congratulate Matt Rule on, on yes. making $70 million. And congratulations, million. I, I have to say this because I covered him in high school. Congratulations to Joe Judge, the new head coach of the New York Football Giants. Yeah. Lansdale Catholic product. Who? Okay, let me ask you a question. Went to who, Mississippi State. Who got the better job? Well, Matt, well, because of the money. And the, no, and, no. Who got who got the better situation? Let me let me, let me say that. Maybe it's that's a better way of putting it. I think the better situation is the Giants. See, I kind of agree because I think the Carolina the ownership. I think the, the Carolina Giants. owner's an idiot. Yeah. You hear the story about this? He wouldn't let Matt Rule out of his house. Like he was convinced, and, and look, it may turn. Look, I love Matt. But he won't let Matt Rule out of his house. Like, you know, Matt Rule, okay, fine. Gives him $70 million, whatever. Um, you know, it's like, I want that vase. Give me give me that vase. Um, and the Giants have been so dysfunctional, like, the last three or four years. Just, it's been weird. Yeah. So I don't know. But, but, but also, let's be honest. The Giants also have the, the franchise running back. Yeah. They have the franchise. Uh, they have what they think is their franchise quarterback. Jerry's still out, yeah, but yeah, yeah. they think they have that. And Carolina, well, Carolina's going to have we to make know. a decision on Cam. Yes, the the, the running, they do have the, they do have the franchise running back. Yeah. But you know the shelf life on those. They're not good. I mean, you know, he's been in the league three years. Or him and Saquon come in the same year. No, Saquon's too. Okay, so I mean, you know, I'm just saying, and McCaffrey touches the ball like every other play. But it's going to be really interesting when we have this conversation three or four years from now to see, you know, because I love Matt. So I I was one of the guys who said when he went to Baylor, I said. Trust me. Now, I didn't think he'd be within a field goal of going to the playoffs in his third year. Um, I'm telling you, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Eagles division looks like in a yeah, couple it, of years. It's fascinating because of the way that everything is shaken down with, you know, look, Rivera's a good coach. McCarthy's an upgrade from Garrett. I don't know if he's a huge upgrade. He's won a Super Bowl. Up, he has won a Super Bowl. Garrett. He won, also did have Garrett, a franchise quarterback and never got back to a Super but, Bowl. But there are people that think this guy is a franchise quarterback. I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers. I don't. I don't mean it. You that know way. what? Here's the thing. I think Mike McCarthy brings stability. Well, see, that's what I think Ron Rivera brings mm-hmm. to the Redskins. Some degree of anti-owner, because that guy's a bozo. Okay, but okay, I'm going to run this kind of ship. I'm bringing mm-hmm. Nolan in as my DC. Yeah. I think they announced their their offensive guy too. Um, now maybe I, whatever. I don't know enough about the Giants guy. You you know a little bit more about. I mean, him look, I he's from the Belichick tree, and there's questions about and the Belichick and, and Saban. Saban too. Um, but I mean, you know, New York is a tough My, place to, uh, to and be I, in. And I said this, and you probably saw the tweet. I'm happy for Joe Judge. Sure. I can still say I'm happy for Joe Judge, and I'm happy he got the job. And question the NFL's coaching practices when you look at the idea that a guy like Eric Bieniemy, who's been with Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. Because his team's in the playoffs, really never had a fair shot at getting these jobs. We looked That's, a couple years ago at, at Jim Schwartz. Uh, it's just the way. It, it, it's just the way. If it you works. can tell me a better way to do it. Yeah, well, the, and then the, there's the, also, the and obviously the the Rooney Rule being, you know, the, the idea that Marvin the, Lewis the, was the brought in just as the, a the Rooney Rule is the Rooney Rule. It, it it's it's look the idea that Marvin Lewis was brought in. Marvin Lewis never really had white a shot at rich the job. white men aren't usually going to hire African-Americans or people that are different. It's just the way it is. It's the same at college football. You know, you get these presidents or whatever. I mean, how many black coaches are in college football? Not a whole lot. 
10? I don't know. And they get shorter shelf life still. And how many are ADs? How many are general managers? I mean, Ozzie Newsom was one of the best general managers in the NFL for a long time. He was African-American, but you don't see a lot of them. And the argument has been, too, there's two offensive coordinators in this league, him and Byron Leftwich, who Mm -hmm. was at Jacksonville. Sure. Uh, who's now with Tampa Bay who, mm-hmm. under Bruce Arians? Bruce Arians. Um, that that pool, that's where the level's not being filtered in. And, of course, and that's where that's where. Yeah, I'll give Bruce Arians credit. Bruce Arians, uh, both him and Todd Bowles, both uh, Leftwich and Todd Bowles are mm-hmm. his two coordinators because mm-hmm. he wanted to give Todd. I'll Bowles bet you there shot. aren't a lot of coordinators at, at Division One football. I'll oh. bet you. I mean, but let me ask you a question because you. Because this is, I think, the biggest. Can Judge handle New York? That's a great question. Because to me, anybody that goes to New York, anybody, whether you're a player, a coach, to me is like, can you handle? I don't think Adam Gaze can handle New York, but that's me. I think I see pitchers or players all the time sign with the Yankees. And I'll say, you can't handle that. Like, but, you know, they do because they're getting oodles and oodles of money. But I think that's, and maybe. Matt never got a chance to interview with the Giants because they were already in their negotiations with with Judge, but it would have been because I think Matt could handle New York. I I he just seems to me that type of guy, <clears throat> and I think he'll do fine in Carolina. I don't know if they're going to win a lot of games, but I think he'll do fine in Carolina. But is it? That, I mean, can Judge step in front of a microphone when there's well, just 20, and that, and 25 the reporters there? And I think one thing that has this this is going towards the Belichick assistants. If you try to be the Belichick in the press conference in a market like New York, oh, and you're Joe Judge, yeah. you're, you're unless you win six Super Bowls. You win six Super Bowls, you not. do whatever you want. There was an interesting thing what you were talking about about guy like Bianami having to wait. They were talking about this today. One guy, and I think it was a Belichick assistant, might have been who's their offensive coordinator now that they they keep saying might get a job, the Cleveland job maybe. Um, the guy who coached in Denver. Oh, uh, uh, Josh McDaniels. I think the. Patriots were like in the Super Bowl that year. And he said to Josh, take the job now. Mm-hmm. So, and then then you come back and we coach. Right. Then after the Super Bowl. And and maybe that's the way you have to do it. Maybe you have to say, I guess when the team's in the playoffs, it's different. I mean, I don't know the, what the right way or the wrong way would be. And then, like, you know, you have to say to the coach, who's Biennemi's, uh coach, his, his head coach? Uh, Andy. Okay, you'd have to go to Andy and say, hey, Andy, we want to hire this guy. Is it okay if we take up two days of your, you know, you're preparing to try to beat Houston here, but we're going to hire this guy and hold a press conference. And Andy might say, yo, like, wait a minute, there's rules against that. <clears throat> but you're right, it's unfair to, but I don't know. I mean, it doesn't happen like that in Major League Baseball too, right? Kind of, kind of, kind of, but it does not so Like if much. you're an assistant on the, a real good team, well, Alex Cora got a job with the Red Sox while literally the day after he won with the Astros a World Series. Right, but he had but the Red Which Sox had a whole different but the Red area Sox had now. to wait until they had won the World Series to, to do announce that. it. Yeah. And they were okay with that. Yeah. And they had probably made but I th- I think baseball and football are a little different because in football it's almost like you're already getting ready for the draft, you're getting ready for free yeah. agency, you're getting ready for the OTAs or whatever the hell they got coming Football up. is the ultimate twelve year sport or twelve month. Baseball sport. used to be that. Remember baseball, that though? Baseball's not anything. when you were growing up though. When oh, I was growing God up, stove league was everything. It was you never people didn't talk football in um, in, in February. No, a uh, couple other items uh, before we go. Uh, we're back here on Monday, so we'll 
I don't know. Do you want to make a pick on the national championship game or not? Or not? The line is up to like five and a half. I love keeps that going shit. up, keeps going up. More keeps going up. I'll, I'll for no other reason. I'll take Clemson and and the points. And I've covered. I covered. I didn't cover the Alabama game, but I covered the ones in 03 and 07. LSU obviously has an advantage. They're playing. You know they're not lost. And they're the and they've been the best team all, all year. Right. But I'm telling you, there's something about me taking five and a half or six with Clemson, and that team. It's like the Patriots last week, and I even though I took the other team, somebody got to beat them. And I think LSU will win. Like I, I, I think LSU is really that good. But I'm telling you, man, Clemson. I just look at them, and 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 they remind me so much of Bama. Like you can't take. You know, it's no. like. Okay, I'm going to take against Bama. Oh, really? You idiot. <laughs> it's like, okay. And I did that a couple times. I got caught up in the uh, somebody's going to. I think I actually took Notre Dame the year they played Bama. I oh, think that I was did. dumb. No, shh. Oh, I can't say that. No, you can. Well, no crap. Um, And after like five How months. How long have we been doing a podcast? I know. And you know I, the rules. I like to try. I know. I like to try to keep. Because one of these days I'll see, I say a really bad word I don't want to say. And I'm sitting there the five, other day. five minutes into the game. I'm like, I turned around to like three people and I said, huh? <laughs> and my story was written. My story literally was written by halftime yeah. because it was like 28. I remember Alabama scored in the first play of the second quarter. And I, I go up 21. And I can tell you, look, aside from Harvey, you know, no, big Notre Dame fan. Than I oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I, I forgot. About I was that. covering a college basketball game for WMPV, the okay. radio station I work for during the winter. Somebody played that night? Gwen and Mercy. Okay. John Barron's team played. Gotcha. Wearing my Manti Teo shirt. Yeah. Right after Manti got, you know, pretty much revealed as, you know. Yeah. Happens. Happened. And um, by the time I literally walked out the door to get to my car, it was all over. <laughs> all over. One it was my, like 845. <laughs> one of my great lines. Notre Dame waited 25 years for this. Yeah. I mean, it, it was brutal. It was brutal. And then the game a couple of years ago was brutal, right? When they when they got yeah. But again, Clemson. I I will point out when they lost the Clemson <clears throat> last year, they lost by less of a margin than Alabama did. Yeah, but I'm I'm still trying to like figure everybody out. everybody talks about. Oh, Notre Dame should never. But be why Alabama. did I buy into Notre Dame that year? Like what? Like what was going through my head? I'll tell you, I look like the best player on the field, Kevin. Kevin, I'm telling Kevin. you, that's probably what it was, Kevin. I I I, I I'm but it was Alabama, like. Alabama's players are faster. No kidding. And I'm just like, I, I, I fell into the trap that, you know, I'm, somehow. I'm already telling you the most important college football game of next year. Hmm. I don't know. Give me a hint. Can I get a hint? Where are you sitting? So Notre Dame's playing somebody important. In South Bend. Who are they playing? Clemson, November 6th. Wow. Oh, because of the ACC. Right. Yeah. Okay. November the 6th. Wow. With Ian Book back? With, well, uh, well, Clemson's got their quarterback back, yeah. too. So. What, what will Notre Dame's record be that day going into that game? They will probably be undefeated. Wow. That, see, that's, I'd have to look at their schedule and maybe call you on that one. They'll um, have Stanford at home. That's their toughest game in that no, no Michigan or Michigan State. Oh, they get or? Wisconsin uh, at Lambeau. That's it. Nope, uh, nope. No, uh, okay. Probably going to be favored in that game. In Wisconsin, yeah. Um, will Clemson be unbeaten? Probably. 
I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, maybe somebody in the ACC might actually be okay. I, I, you got a bet on that one? Well, hey, they almost lost to North Carolina. Um, could you? Okay, let me ask you a question. If they're both unbeaten, oh, it's the biggest. So game Clemson of the year. would be ranked in the top couple, probably one or two. Yeah, and Notre Dame would probably be like fifth or sixth or fourth or somewhere along those kind of. Mm-hmm. Wow, would you go to that game? Oh, <laughs> well. I'll give Notre Dame this. What would the ticket cost? Well, Notre Dame has jack ticket prices up. No, but I'm, you know no, no. But here's the other here's the other portion of this. Okay, Notre Dame now this year for the USC game, and I'm assuming they're going to do this next year for the Clemson game. You have to buy a season ticket. Yeah. So so basically, they're trying to act like Temple. Yeah. Friday, Saturday, November seventh is their. You're season. telling me they're trying to act like Temple. Yeah. Give me the games before that. Give me their schedule before well, that. Well, this is the non-conference games. Akron, Citadel, right. and South Carolina all at home. That's Notre Dame's schedule. No, no. This is Clemson. Clemson. Okay. BC BC on the road. Louisville at home. NC State at home. Syracuse at home. Virginia at home. At Florida State. At Wake Forest, at Georgia Tech. That was a lot of home games. Um, oh, so that's not in the order of the games. That's no, because they haven't. They said that's the because of the way that's that. Fine. Um, yeah, I don't know how good South Carolina is going. Yeah, you probably. I can. Would. I can. What's Notre Dame's? That's what I'm looking up now. But you already gave me. I mean, the, the two highlights are yeah. okay. Hold on here. They go to Ireland to begin it to play who? BC? No, they're playing. Uh, they're playing Navy. That's a good game. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a good question. Can the middies win that game? I don't think so. Well, it ain't like the middies haven't beaten them before. You're, you're lucky the quarterback won't be back. He's really good. He's really good, but that's why I'm saying I don't think so. Yeah, but he was like their third-string quarterback at one point, right? Yeah. I, I'll tell you what. I'm not saying they're going to lose that game. but It's going to be closer than a lot of people it's, think. It's, it's going to be a football game. Let's put it that way. Because the, the middies will be so up for ready? that game. Yeah. Uh, Navy. Right. In Ireland. Right. By the way, I thought about taking that trip. Go ahead. Do it. Okay. Arkansas. Yeah. At home. They stink. West for Michigan. That should be a W, I'm guessing. At Wake. That'll be closer than people think because Wake's got a good coach, but. Okay. Uh, that's actually in Charlotte. Okay. Uh, Wisconsin at Lambeau. Mm-hmm. Stanford at home. Mm-hmm. At Hines, the play pit. Mm-hmm. Off on the 24th, Duke at home, mm-hmm. Clemson at home, mm-hmm. Georgia Tech at Mercedes-Benz, mm-hmm. Louisville at home, mm-hmm. at USC. So here's the bet. What do you think if, two I, week if I called somebody in, in Vegas? Because mm-hmm. they'll post odds on anything. The odds at Notre Dame's unbeat when they play Clemson. What do you think? I think they could lose a game. I think there's some loser because... Well, Wisconsin's the... They'll be favored... In just about every game, I'm assuming, but that doesn't mean they're going to win. Maybe Wisconsin, they don't, maybe it's a pick them. It depends how good Wisconsin is. I, right. I, I don't, but I'm telling you, Navy, I, I, there's some years they go to Pitt and it's a scary game. And I don't, I'm guessing Pitt ain't going to be that good. By the way, technically, the Wisconsin game is a Notre Dame game. Notre Dame home game. Yeah, okay. Well, whatever. Um, as part of their like yeah, Shamrock well, series. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, but I'll bet you that there will be at least one or two games in there. That they either lose or, or come very pushed. close to losing. But for college football, as a fan, mm-hmm. I want that to be two unbeaten teams 
meeting in South Bend in November. In November, with one of them ranked like one you, or two. You want to know when the last time that probably happened? All that Florida was, State. Florida State game in '93. How about the year that? No, how about the year they played Bama? Did they they played USC? But USC wasn't really good that year. I don't. They think. played Stanford in October. And home. then they played USC last. Last they, they and played, USC was not that good. I was at the Florida State game. I covered it. It Catholic was versus criminals. It was no, that wasn't the Catholic. No, no, Miami. Catholics versus criminals uh, instead well, of yeah, Seminoles. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we went to Lou Holtz's house two nights before the game. He invited the media over. He had it was it was fascinating. Fuffling fuckadash. It was fascinating. Uh-huh. He had. He took us downstairs. He had you know, a room like you got here, only about like three times the size. We had a picture of him and the Pope. I asked him a question about when they when he was at Arkansas, they beat beaten Oklahoma in an orange bowl mm-hmm. where he the second string running back. He was delightful. His wife was delightful. And when you walked around the campus, because I remember Florida State got off the plane and they were and they, Florida State was great, you know, they were even though they only beat Nebraska by one in the orange bowl. Um I said to somebody, I turned, I said, me and Mike Bruton was there. Mike Bruton was from the Inquirer. Right. I, said, I remember Mike. I said, Mike, Florida State doesn't know what they're getting into. You could feel it. And I'm not a, I'm not a Notre Dame guy. You could feel it. You could there feel. Is- and still, and this is why I give Florida State credit. Notre Dame had a pass at Dawson. Lake Dawson, I think was the yeah. guy's name. If he catches the ball, Notre Dame would have been up like 34 to 10. Whatever. He didn't. Florida State was throwing the ball in the end zone on the last play, and a kid from Abington yeah. actually knocked it down. But the, the, the atmosphere, Kevin, I've never been there for other games. I don't know what the atmosphere was like for the Miami games. I don't know. I always tell people that if you have And then ex- the BC game happened the if following you, week. If you have a sports bucket list, and, you know, look, I'm, as an Notre fan, I acknowledge I'm biased. Uh, uh, an autumn Saturday in South Bend is... Uh, Towards the top, no, it but this be. was, but this was, and a big game, and and there hasn't been it a. Was, it was one, of it big. was one versus two. It was, and and Florida State was the best team. Uh-huh. I mean, they 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 were. It, it, they, but I'm sitting there, and I remember, I remember me saying, I said, they don't know what they're getting like, into. To me, like on my bucket list would be, I would like to see Notre Dame USC at both south bend yeah. and the coliseum like a back-to-back mm-hmm. year kind of and deal. the thing is i think if that game had been at florida state that year because i Notre still Dame think would have got blown out n- lou holtz to me was the greatest one game coach in america he could you know that one game he, i don't think they would have got blown out of florida state i don't think they would have won right but the fact that it was at notre dame mm-hmm. and i mean you, you could cut the um the, the the tension's the wrong word. The excitement. Um, nah, what what word am I looking for? Just the, the, the it, it was it was palpable. It was and they had that the thing the night before where yeah, you know Pepper oh Allen. my god it was oh geez it was the only thing better would have been if it was a night game. Plus there's Parisis in there at I don't know what Paris I I never oh, made it to Mike. Well, I never made it. I've only yeah. been to South Bend a few times. Italian restaurant. Yeah, but here's the question: Would I have gotten in? Oh, you can get in. On a Friday night before a game? You call. I would have called like a year ahead and said, I'm mm-hmm. coming next. You could you could get in. Well, it's all I've gotten in on Friday nights before games. All I know is this. I went to Lou Holtz's house. Uh-huh. Mike Bruton. Parise also has an awesome bar attached to it. Mm, yeah, okay. But I, I went out to South Bend twice that year because I went out 
like after they were like five and zero or six and zero, uh-huh. they sent me out to do a story on the fact that that was kind of like a magical team yeah. or something. And this guy who was their play by not their play by play guy, the analyst guy on the radio, right. took me to a sports bar that apparently was a famous I don't touchdown think it was club, maybe I, I, but it wasn't Parisi's. Right, I would remember Parisi's that. is right near there. Uh, before we go, uh, so Monday we'll do our next podcast. We'll have another podcast next Thursday. Um, then the following week, we're only going to be one podcast because I'm going away on a family. And Monday's trip, a sports writer, Which, anyway. by the way, I should point out, I am going to Charlotte. So guess what I am trying to bring back from Mr. Kern? Jack Tacos. Jack Tacos. That's wonder how it'll taste like two days later. That could be interesting. I'm getting it Sunday morning as we're driving out of town. So... And I'm going to have to meet you. Like, it, like as soon as your car pulls up in your driveway, I'm going to have to run over and get yeah. them and reheat them. I'll bet. I, you know what? I'll bet they're pretty good. It's a science <laughs> expert. My mother is already going. Wait a minute. Has my stomach been, been warm yeah. in this? Um, Should I get a burger too? Should I get like a yeah. bonus jack? Or and, and, and also then uh, my final question to Mr. Kern on this mega podcast because we've gone. Yeah, it's okay. Um. So, William and Harry, uh, I'm sorry, William, William and Megan. Yeah. I'm sorry, Harry and Megan. I applaud what, ha- what they're doing, it, it, if I'm reading between this. Because Harry's kind of saying, you know what? I don't need this. I don't need this. And, and, I'm, and, and I'm the second guy, and I'm the, I'm the you know, I'm, and I understand how to, a little bit how that royal thing works. He's kind of like the, the orphan whatever. Yeah, go, go. And I love the fact that it upsets the royals. That they're all like bent out of shape because apparently he wasn't supposed to come out and say it. But I put a thing. Me and Mar- me and Megan are going to find a way to be independently wealthy. She's got like five million dollars. He, I mean, come on. They're going to be living on the. They're going to be living in Toronto, or I think I think they may spend a lot of time in our country. To be honest with you, um, I like Harry. I, I do. I first of all, he looks like Carson, which is awesome. But I just think. <laughs> He does. Tell me he doesn't. You sound like my twenty-year-old stepdaughter. He does. <laughs> Looks like when you see him, when you see Harry on a TV, does he not look like Carson? He does. Once? He does. He okay. Does. Well, that. Um, and she's you know she's been an actress. She's been, and they're actually talking about her, like doing acting again. That was one of the things in the story I wrote because she could make a lot of money by doing that. And he wants to do things, I think, in Africa or something. Or yeah, he wants or, to. Open do I have him confused? No, with, you, you got. I, good for him. You know, live your life. Um, you know what he's coming really over for? Jack tacos. Well, he 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 should try them at, at the very least. Uh, but I think they can afford better than Jack tacos. That's just my take. Well, on now it. he's going to be on a budget. But I wonder, like in like within the Royals, do you like do you kind of like disown him? I mean, I know they don't. I know he still gets like money and there's there's inheritances and and there's like he's still going to get money. It ain't like. But that's that's really interesting that he would choose because the other way he could have went was he could have went up to his brother and said, "Look, I'm going to be right there by your side. I know you're the future king, but I know you're going to need a good wingman, and I know I'm I'm kind of the guy that's going to be behind the scenes here." But but apparently Megan and and um, Kate don't get along very well. I mean, that's look maybe that's wrong, but you know and but you know what I thought was great when Megan the Mike the Mike Kern when Megan came out a couple months ago. In that interview on the BB, and, and was like, she was almost crying. I didn't she said, realize you were this much of a royal watcher. Well, it's, when it's on the news, it's on the news. You know, you're watching the ABC Nightly News, and there it is. Um, and she was saying, like, she didn't realize how hard it would be and how nobody has, like, 
tried to. And I'm thinking, Megan, what did you think when you signed up for this? It's not like they're. they're well, it's like, like Princess Diana. God bless her. When she said how tough it was being what she was, mm-hmm. I'm thinking like Diana. What did you think? You know, you were just going to kind of do your thing over here. I hey, look. I don't feel sorry. I understand the situation, mm-hmm. but I have a hard time feeling like sorry for people that wake up every day and live in luxury and, you know, got to take shots from the British press. I mean, I guess that's a raw deal. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, final note. Uh, condolences to our buddy, uh, Jason Martinez, who lost his mom today. Um, I didn't realize that until you just said yeah, it. Yeah, it was on Facebook uh, actually this afternoon. Suddenly or? No. Not that it makes it different. She, she had been uh, ill. Oh, um, God. And Jason's been going through so much. Jason's gone through a rough year. Yeah. and uh, We will get him on at some point. We will. Uh, once everything calms down. Mm-hmm. Hey, with the NHL All-Star break coming up, uh, we'll have him on. So that is uh, that is all for us. We have uh, gone 100 minutes, Mr. Kern. Thanks for staying with us. Thanks for staying with us. Have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy the football. We'll talk to you next Monday. This is working to be.